Welcome to the Pause Purpose Play podcast with me, Michaela Thomas, clinical psychologist, couples therapist, and founder of The Thomas Connection. I help high-striving busy people let go of the pressure of perfection to create more joy, connection, and compassion in their lives. On this podcast, we promote balance of a burnout through giving you the permission to pause, the curiosity to find your purpose, and the courage to play. Welcome back to the Pause Purpose Play podcast with me, Michaela Thomas. In this episode, we're going to talk about a lot of different things that are very dear to my heart. We're going to talk about embracing imperfections, learning from mistakes, realizing that inner critical voice that sabotages our success, identifying how busyness and a hustle culture gets in the way of us being actually truly successful and meeting our goals. We're going to talk about the ways we can find relaxation and rest away from our work, even though work might be our passion and our purpose. How we calibrate rather than balance, but calibrate or blend different domains of our lives to to create a better, meaningful existence for ourselves, rather than constantly be stressed out or burnt out. And together with my guest today, Laura Sheldrake, we're going to think a little bit about that. We're sharing quite openly and honestly how these things are difficult things that are work in progress. It's an ongoing journey to address patterns of perfectionism, patterns of workaholism or overworking, and how easy it is to get drawn into an always-on culture when we're really passionate about what we do. How easy it is to constantly have your laptop open or check your emails, even when you're with your loved ones. And Laura shares that today in our episode of how figuring out what really matters to her has helped her come back to her values, come back to an existence and a life that's more meaningful to her. And then how she's teaching that to others in the community of business women and entrepreneurs. So let me introduce my guest. Lara Sheldrake is a speaker, mentor, and the founder of Found and Flourish, an online membership, media, and events platform for women in business. She's on a mission to make business accessible and less lonely for entrepreneurial women. After having her son and struggling with feelings of isolation, she decided to create the safe and nurturing space that she craved when she was embarking on this new journey of motherhood and entrepreneurship. That's how Found and Flourish was born. Lara's been featured in the likes of Forbes and Marie Claire for her work with Founder Flourish and listed as a top influential female founder and business leader in F Entrepreneur and in Startups magazine. So without further ado, I want to dive into this conversation with Lara and know that she was really, really honest and really vulnerable and that we don't have to be perfect. There is no one life hack that we can all just find and then magically we are cured, but it's more about constantly checking in with yourself on a week-by-week basis. Welcome to the Pause Purpose Play podcast, Laura. I'm so glad to have caught you for a little chat. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Michaela. It's great to be here today. Brilliant. And we're really looking forward to kind of tapping into your zone of genius for a bit. And I know, obviously, no pressure. You're all (laughs) human here. But I just want to have a little chat with you about some of the things you've noticed in your career and and some of the achievements you've, you've acquired kind of along the years and because I'm part of your membership found and flourish and we featured another member before Katie Murray it'd be really interesting to hear a bit more about that journey so tell the listeners a little bit more about yourself and your story 
Yes. Yeah, so I spent the majority of my career working my way up the career ladder within the media industry. I started off green and excited and enthusiastic and I absolutely loved what I did. I, I found myself moving through my roles, becoming increasingly obsessed with success and doing really well, which of course we all want to do. But I think as I progressed through my career in the media industry, I started to notice that I wasn't really feeling myself. And I don't, I've, I've not really gone into too much detail about this in the past, but I have said, you know, I, I felt towards the end I was working in a toxic environment. It was very male dominated, which isn't necessarily a bad thing all the time because I had some great colleagues. But I found myself, yeah, I guess, molding into someone that I didn't want to be. And um, I actually got to the point where back in 2015 slash 16, I just had a total burnout. Um, I was working myself into the ground. I was completely misaligned with what I was doing and what I really felt like I wanted to do. And I've always had this flair for uh, entrepreneurialism. I set up my first kind of my first I dabbled in business when I came out of uni, set up my first consultancy. I studied media and communications. I was a social media expert in the eyes of anybody else. You know, we, we were we, we were assigned tasks like setting up a Twitter profile when it had first been launched and things like that. So it's quite like a quite savvy within that uh, area of the industry. And and yeah, I guess I got to a point sort of fast forward to uh, in my late 20s when, you know, I was, I was working in this industry. I, ha- I didn't recognize myself anymore and I had totally burnt out. So fast forward to um, the last couple of years, I found myself um, really questioning everything, what I wanted to do, who I wanted to be, and what my purpose was in life. And I knew that I wanted to work with people, I wanted to educate people, I wanted to share my knowledge, I wanted to have flexibility, I wanted to have more time with my family. And having left my job after having this burnout and really being in a a position of self-reflection where I didn't have another job to go to. I literally walked out of my job and I had a few weeks to kind of reflect on what I wanted to do. And so after a bit of self-healing, I decided to set up my second consultancy, which I absolutely loved. I had some great clients and I loved what I did. I was really passionate about it. And everything was going really well. And then I got pregnant and I was on maternity leave and I, my son was about three months old and I started to get itchy feet. I started to, you know, just, I wanted to kind of dip my toe back into the industry. I wanted to, you know, work with people again, have interesting conversations. I was so bored of talking about breastfeeding and baby poo. And so I went on the hunt uh, for a community that I could be a part of, who I could learn from, who I could perhaps meet up um, with and attend some events. And at the time, I couldn't really see anything that spoke to me. Um, Nothing really resonated. And I guess that's where the idea of Found and Flourish came about. And for me, you know, I loved working for myself, but I, I didn't like working by myself. And I found it incredibly lonely. And I knew that now being a mother, I was going to find it even more lonely. And community was something that I craved and knew was going to be really important for me if I wanted to succeed as um, 
a working mother, especially in the entrepreneurial space. And so, yeah, the idea of Found and Flourish came about then. And I guess the rest, they say, is, is history. I think it, I mean, it's really helpful to know that idea behind your passion, you know, the, the idea for community and combating loneliness, because you're right. I mean, anyone who works for themselves will sort of see that the balance there between having freedom to do work in a way that suits you, but also feeling actually quite, quite isolated at times. And, mm. you know, touching upon motherhood there which it can be really isolating as well. And so I'm just kind of hearing a few things as you're speaking, thinking about purpose, thinking about what meant um, meant something to you and what would feel meaningful, that when your son was three months old, you got that itch, almost like I need, I crave something else. as a part of your identity that needed something more than those conversations. And did you find, you know, looking back at the time, did you find that met with judgment or encouragement or a mixture of both? That's a really good question um, because I think from my nearest and dearest, my family, my partner, they were they were like, just just focus on being a mum. Just, you know, do one thing at a time, chill out. You've got your life to sort of focus on your career. Um, I think it's really difficult for people who perhaps don't have the same sort of passions or interests to relate to someone who, you know, who wants to perhaps juggle motherhood with other interests and passions and if they are working or they're in self-development or they're creating something new then you know I think that can invite a bit of pushback or um, I guess those around you who can see that what you're about to embark on could be quite challenging you know they obviously want you to take the easy easy way out right and so I'd have multiple conversations especially with my family especially when I was building the business and they can see, they could see the struggle. Um, you know, there was a lot of just take it slow. You don't have to do this right now. Come back to it in a year's time. But of course, by that point, the, the business started essentially as a, a sort of a meetup. It was a community. It wasn't, I didn't build the business. I didn't build the business as, at a time to be a business. It was a community to provide solidarity, to celebrate femininity, to have fun with other women in business you know, it quite quickly built momentum. So the newsletters, the newsletter community started to grow, more people were coming to the events. It started to become a full-time job and it was almost like it started to require more of my time than I actually expected it to. And so for the first sort of six to nine months of, you know, being a mother, it was pretty, it, it was pretty fast paced. So, you know, looking back, I can see why, people in my you know sort of intimate circle were suggesting that I take things slower and perhaps take a step back from it but it's so difficult to do isn't it when you feel like you have a calling for something and you're really passionate about something and also it, it gave me joy it really did but I also you know I'm a self-proclaimed perfectionist and I find it very hard to do things that aren't perfect you know if it's not perfect I give myself a really hard time about it and I also accept that I am not perfect so very you know regularly do I find myself doing things and I'm like oh it could have been better and I think that added pressure of trying to build something trying to be perfect when you're already navigating this newness of being a mum and being responsible for another human like I was not doing myself any favors and so on reflection I can totally see why I had pushback from people but it was mainly from people who loved me and cared about me and I think that's really important to acknowledge that when we have issues around perfectionism, it's not about 
aiming for a perfect result or even thinking that you're perfect far from it I mean it sounds like you're describing that inner critical dialogue that we have when we think oh I could have done that better it wasn't good enough need to keep pushing myself and so it sounds like on the one hand it's understandable the people around you expressed concern and try to slow you down but on the other hand it's that burning fire in us isn't it when we find our heart's desire and this would fill us up with joy so always a it's a balancing act isn't it it's a calibration that I constantly feel like I have in myself as well when I feel filled up with all the inspiration and kind of visions of what I want to do. Mm. So how have you felt that, you know, years down the line, you know, how have you calibrated that? How do you find the balance between following your passion and your purpose, what gives you joy and meaning, with not being susceptible for another bout of burnout? Well, uh, full transparency, I have had another burnout. Not too recently, but in the last couple of years, I'm on this journey of self-discovery and learning all the time. I have not got it right. I get it wrong a lot. And I find that's this is one of my biggest challenges, um, not knowing when to slow down or when to give myself a break. But in the last year specifically, and I think the, you know, the the pandemic and being in lockdown and almost having my life under a magnifying glass because I've literally lived within, you know, my four walls for a year. I I went from running two to three events a week in person across Brighton, London and Manchester to literally being in, you know, what what is now the study but was our spare room for the majority of that time. And and it's definitely made me realise a lot of things, like so many people have had a chance, you know, to sort of readdress uh, what's important to them and their lifestyle and, and and habits and things like that. And I think over time, I've definitely got better at taking a break and being a bit kinder, my, kinder to myself. I, for a very long time, would work seven days a week, which I think, you know, some people running a business, they they might lis- listen to this and think, well, yeah, that's normal. That's 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 what building a business looks like. And for some people it is. And for me, it was for a very long time. But when we go through a collective trauma like the one that we have and, you know, there are other people around us that we've either lost or we're, we're seeing suffer or we just we just kind of have this like moment of um, it's like a wake up call, isn't it? And I guess being in lockdown with my toddler, who's now three, he was going through the terrible twos at the time and I had just launched our digital platform my partner and I were really struggling to um, get on because we were living in each other's pockets and I was trying to launch something. He was managing a team. We were struggling with a toddler, you know. And don't get me wrong, I completely acknowledge my privilege and how fortunate I am to be able to do the things that I do. But it was tough and it taught me a lot about the importance of trying to have a bit more of a... And I don't believe in the concept balance and... um one of our members, uh, a friend, she's a business strategist, Chelsea Cox, she ran a session yesterday for our members on outsourcing for business growth. And she was saying, I don't like the word balance, I call it blend. And I think that's a really nice way of describing it. It's a blend, isn't it, of your work and personal life. And for me, I've I've really had to make some active um, and conscious changes and being really intentional about my habits and my um, the structure of my day so that I can switch off on Fridays when, when I'm with my son. I would put him in front of the TV and I would open my laptop and I would get through my emails. I would tell myself there's not enough hours in the day. I have to get it done. And I ended up 
I ended up hating myself and that was that was one of the that was one of the kind of triggers for me made me realize I have to change this very quickly otherwise I'm going to look back at him when he's like a teenager or a young man and just regret not making the most of you know his gorgeous younger years and so you know now I take Fridays off and I'm I'm sort of wholeheartedly with him um my phone's in my bag or it's somewhere else my laptop isn't opened I try to take breaks in the days when I am working to allow myself that self-love and that forgiveness and that, you know, um, I guess acceptance that it's okay to take breaks and look after yourself. Um, The world's not going to stop turning. Your business isn't going to, you know, fall apart. Um, People aren't going to stop respecting you. And then it's the little things like when I'm trying to focus on something, my phone's in another room try to connect with nature I'm lucky enough to live by the coast so I go down to the beach yeah I think there's there's lots of different things that I've done over the last year and it's been like micro steps because looking back and actually talking about this with you I've it's it's dawned on me just how much has changed it's it's overwhelming me a little bit actually because I think my my lifestyle is almost unrecognizable to what it was a year ago And I think had I carried on the way I was going before the pandemic, I would have had a third burnout. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's been, it's been an interesting year and there's a lot of things I've had to change, but it hasn't been an overnight change. It's been, as I say, these little micro steps that have led to me having much healthier habits, which have allowed me to have that healthier blend between my work and my personal life. And I really love that word blend and, you know, almost like we're calibrating different domains of our life so that it might be that you, I I use the word calibration or thinking of a pendulum that springs Mm. kind of back and forth because it might be that at some given moment you step out of motherhood a little bit more into work and at some moments you step out of work more into motherhood or other domains or, you know, there's a a sick relative that demands our attention or you know something's going on with our own physical health and it's almost like in every given moment in every given week there's another choice another decision to make about what how do I show up for myself and those who matter to me in this given moment in this given week that means that every week can't look the same so it's almost like we're looking for this you know magic cure to how we kind of once and for all figure out what work-life balance but it doesn't work like that it's so life true it's not the same yeah so dynamic yeah so i think it's really powerful i mean i think unfortunately i have a, I have a track record of, of making people vulnerable on the on the podcast where they share things <laughs> like oh i hadn't thought of that until you asked me that question so yeah. i mean that's the that's the downside of <laughs> sitting down to talk to a psychologist that you know we would just root around a bit too much but that's okay. we, I think the listeners will really appreciate that you have been so vulnerable and open and shared that actually yeah we can have multiple experiences of hardship and mm-hmm. every single time we learn something new and sometimes we have very expensive lessons sometimes it's costing us an episode of burnout before we realize that it's almost like you have to cr- crash properly before you realize that was costing me more than it was worth Absolutely. In my experience, I've seen that people happen several times. So sometimes they have to have multiple episodes of burnout before they make changes. And it's that blessing in disguise that we've had with the pandemic, which has been so hard. And yeah, I'm right Mm -hmm. there with you of juggling motherhood with a business when we had no childcare. And yes, we can be privileged and still acknowledge suffering. We can acknowledge that other people suffer more, but that doesn't take away that we are suffering yet. Yeah. So Definitely. I think it's a really kind of powerful point to come into that we're not just here saying, 
I did this one life hack and now I'm never bothered my my perfectionistic thoughts uh, ever again. And I've figured out my work-life balance and now I travel the world with my four kids and mm-hmm. live on the beach. Like all of these horrible email newsletters that we see or these sponsored ad contents of this is the one thing you need to do to figure out your business, um, you know, how to be an entrepreneur and an online business so that you can just travel the world with the kids and never be bothered by anything again. And you know, the reality is that it's not like that. But you're addressing something yeah. really important there, Laura, about this hustle culture that we have um, for people who are entrepreneurs. And I wonder if that's affecting female entrepreneurs even more so than male entrepreneurs because the pressure with the motherhood penalty, the pressure to to do everything perfectly. I mean, what, what are your thoughts on that? I think um, we have an always on culture and a lot of the kind of boss babe, glossy entrepreneurship content we see is almost contradictory in a way because it talks about if you're really passionate about something, you've got to you know give it your all, 100% in, you're all in. And yes, the hustle culture is something that's almost uh, kind of glorified. And yet we're also seeing these messages of what appears to be overnight success stories. And so it's all very confusing. It's very intimidating. It kind of puts business almost out of reach in a way. And I think it can create a really unhealthy perception of what business looks like. And it's not linear. It's never overnight. You never, there's never an overnight success story. Someone might become famously successful overnight, but that's due to years, decades of hard work, um, failing, testing, iterating, and, and kind of getting to where they are today. And I think with this always on culture that we have, the responsibility lies on us, really. We need to be more responsible as kind of active participants in the online and digital world in curating our feeds and filtering out the people who we follow and ensuring that who we are following are giving us a clearer and more realistic representation of business and life. And that might be hard sometimes, right? Because you're like, well, what's what's real and what isn't? But I think that's when, you know, community is incredibly important. When you can find a community whose values you are aligned with, who honor things like well-being, self-care, self-love, respecting that there are other elements to your life other than business, you start to change the narrative that's playing in your head about what's required to be a successful human being because really, A, success is really dependent on how you, you know, quantify that what does success look like to you? And and that is different. That looks different to every single person you ask. And B, you know, being surrounded by people who I guess are accepting of who you are, what you want to do, however that may look. And I think for women, you know, we are hard on ourselves. Typically we are perfectionists. And it's very easy just to think that what we're doing isn't good enough and therefore you've got to keep going. And that that's what I kind of mean when I say like this always on culture. And also for me, I find it really hard to know when to stop, when to go, okay, enough's enough. Tomorrow is a new day. And so up until recently, I was working 
every evening, every evening. And sometimes I'd wait until my husband went to bed and then I'd get in, I'd walk into the study and I'd carry on working. And that is a problem. Like I wrote an article recently about workaholism and that I realized that I was actually a workaholic. I had to, you know, really kind of take a hard look at myself and think about why that was, because it's all very well saying, oh, I shouldn't do this. I need to change that. But that's not helpful. What you need to do is really ask yourself, okay, why do I, why am I doing this? How do I feel when I'm doing it? How do I feel when I take a break? And how does that impact the way I feel about myself? And so I think, you know, just going back to this responsibility that we have for ourselves and our mental health, it's really important that we can filter out the BS that we see and we can hopefully ignore, unfollow, block any of those accounts that do make us feel like we have to always be hustling because that is just not true. And the truth is that the, the harder we work, the more we hustle, the less energy um, we have. And, um, you know, our, our health sort of starts to um, diminish, mental health suffers and, and we're useless to any, anyone and everyone. So, you know, I think we owe it to ourselves to acknowledge that we, that we can take it day by day and um, slow and steady wins the race. If I can throw in a, a little saying there. <laughs> I love, I a love cliche. And, yeah, a cliche. And I, was, I actually had a conversation today with a client about how cliches are actually, you know, something that's commonly experienced by other humans. So it's our capturing our human experience. That's why cliches exist, why there are common yeah. idioms or phrases or sayings. So there's often a truth to them. So actually, totally. slow and steady wins the race is because, like you're saying, that if we are emptying our energy, if we're not protecting our capacity and having burnout, we're actually less likely to achieve those passionate goals mm. uh, and the success that we have in mind. And you wrote a really interesting article for Thrive Global about that, around sort of um, thinking about busyness and, and things like that. So you, you, you said, so busy is not the same as productive. And I'm just wondering if you could talk a bit more about the pyramid of currency and the psychological blockers there. Yeah, this is, this is digging, this, digging out from the archives, isn't it? That was um, a post I wrote in my first year of running Found and Flourish with, um, whilst also juggling my little lovely one. For me, I was considering how, I mean, it goes back to the always on culture. I was busy, I was always doing things, but I don't think I was doing things in a smart way. And so I was sort of digging into what I had in terms of resources. And, and most of us, our resources are time, energy, and money and all these things are finite right so we need to consider which areas of our life are being occupied by um, our attention so is our current focus getting us closer to our goals if the answer is no which areas of our life do we need to be focusing on considering things like where are our energy suckers what are we doing that isn't actually working and what can we be doing differently so that our time and energy is spent on the areas that matter and this idea of currency is that we spend we spend time we spend energy and we spend money on things right and so I wanted to look at how that worked when considering if these are all our resources and they're finite um, how can I be spending them in the smartest way possible so that I could get the most out of every day? And when you look at these three, for example, you might think, okay, I, I'm, I'm working 
all the hours I have in the day trying to build something. But because I'm spending all this time doing this thing, my energy is depleted, I'm exhausted. And so you've got this kind of consideration of, I need more time back so that I can actually top up my energy. Now, do I need to cut down the time I'm spending on the things that I'm doing and be a bit smarter about that? Do I have, can I afford to maybe delegate some of this to someone else so that I can kind of buy back some of this time and, and energy so that I can, um, you know, focus a bit more on self-care so that I have the energy to then get up the next morning and carry on building this thing that I'm building. So in terms of money, for example, when you're building something and starting from scratch, you know, money might be a resource that you don't have as much of. But as you start to grow, the question is, you know, can you be spending or investing some money in, for example, childcare? So this was a question that I had. Is it investing in childcare to actually allow you the time that you need to focus on your well-being and all your business? Could it be spending a little bit um, more energy on your family and life at home, which in turn will mean that your well-being improves? So it's just, I guess it's looking at the different areas of the resources that you have to tap into and just asking yourself, can you be spending these in a smarter way? So that's really helpful of understanding that, again, coming back to the calibration or the blending of these different finite resources and how we can uh, keep thinking of the dance there of, of time, energy and money. And I guess what would be any of the psychological blockers, do you think, to, to people spending or investing into these areas? Yeah, I mean, there are, there are loads, right? So confidence, self-esteem fear of failure, for example. So, you know, one of them might be, I've got all this time and I've got this idea. And if I really, if I really focused and buckled down and spent loads of my energy and time on this thing, I could probably generate some money, um, which would then buy me back a bit more kind of resource to then invest in maybe, you know, spending a little bit less time on this thing, you know, how, whatever it is that you want to build and for whatever reason you want to make money. But fear of failure is a huge one. It's like, well, am I good enough? Will anyone listen? Will anyone buy that? Will anyone actually hire me? And so that fear of the unknown is is huge. It's absolutely huge. Um, also lack of clarity and direction, perhaps not knowing how you're going to get there or you know the steps you need to take in order to achieve your goals. Yeah, knowing where to start, knowing where to stop, <laughs> knowing when enough is enough, you know. Um, there's so many psychological blockers that, that can prevent us from achieving our goals. And I think just taking a step back and actually looking at how you live your life on a day-to-day -day basis and asking yourself, what what is that resource that you want to tap into or you want to kind of free up and how can you do that? And then asking yourself, what what are the blockers? What, what are the things that are coming up for me that mean that I'm not doing that thing? Is it fear? Is it procrastination? Is it not knowing where to start? Is it a lack of confidence? And then when, when you can identify that, you can then start working towards understanding why you feel this way so that you can overcome it. And there's no right or wrong answer at all, but I think it's a process and you can only go through that process once you've kind of got all your cards on the table and really acknowledged who you are, what you want, why you may not already be working towards getting it and, and then hopefully overcoming some of those psychological blockers in order to achieve the things that you really want to achieve. 
Yeah, yeah, that's really important because if we have a heart set on a, at a path forward, it sounds like it's also important to not be so future focused that you're doing all the work, doing all the hustle, always on for yeah. having, you know, to, to lead towards a future that will feel rewarding and, and you know, beneficial is the word I'm looking for. Yeah. But looking forward towards a future that will feel rewarding and beneficial. But in the moment, in the here and now, you're burnt out or you're hustling too much. And it's like, I'm doing all of this stuff. I'm putting all of these systems in place so that my business will in the future yeah. yield me a life that I will love. And I think that's a dangerous part of the hustle culture and... and and, you know, for people who are business owners, but also people who are employed, feeling like, oh, I'm putting the work in now so I can get a promotion and then I'll enjoy my life. Yeah, so true. And what you're describing there is so much about uh, us actually doing that mental mental time traveling in our minds that we dwell on the past mistakes and then we worry about the future where we're going to fail and won't be good enough and then we're missing out on how are we actually feeling in the present moment and how we're feeling right now. Mm. So it's really powerful that you've shared so much of your own journey and have, having experienced seeing yourself from the outside that you're kind of falling into a trap of workaholism or overworking or hustling and knowing that it's it wasn't serving you but it also wasn't serving people around you mm. so I'm wondering about you know thinking about imperfections you've had to embrace in yourself to get where you are now yeah what kind of imperfections do you feel you've had to come to terms with with yourself and, and accept Obviously, we've mentioned perfectionism, and that's something that I'm always battling with. Um, and the way I've overcome that one is that I'm in a position now where I'm I'm fortunate enough to be able to delegate the things that I obsess over, and it's little details, usually on content and design things, so design pieces. So I will hand over that kind of stuff to a team member so that I can focus on you know the strategic um, elements or the commercial elements of my business. Uh, and that's really important, I think, because if you, when you can start to acknowledge the uh, habits or imperfections that you have that are actually slowing you down or preventing you from achieving your goals, once you've identified those and you're aware of them, then you've got a choice. And if you can't overcome them yourself, then bringing in resources, support, uh, ex- you know, extending to your network and saying, hey, can you help me with this? Whatever it is. Being able to hand over anything that really is causing you um, to essentially waste time, that's really kind of big, um, that can have a, a huge impact on your like your mindset and your and the success of your business. Because for me, obsessing over things, sometimes I feel like even if something is perfect, my mind is telling me, nope, it could be better. And it's about you kind of getting out of your own way. And sometimes if you can't get out of your own way, then just hand it over to someone so that you are not in the way at all. So that's my my bit on perfectionism. People pleasing is something that I've only realized in the last year or two. I've been working with a great coach called Liz Ward, um, the pivot, uh, pivot coach, Slick Pivot is her business name. And uh, we, she took me through a mental fitness program, which was brilliant. And we were looking at the different saboteurs. And one that comes up a lot for me is the people pleaser. And this is probably why I'm so good at what I do in creating a culture of collaboration, building an engaged community, nurturing them, um, hosting events, facilitating safe spaces for women to talk about their challenges in business. You know, being a people pleaser isn't all bad, but it's definitely one of my imperfections that has 
negatively impacted decisions that I've made for my business or have never negatively impacted my business in moments when I have either had feedback or I've had um, completely different like opinions or feedback from people. And because I want to please them, I have sort of diverted away from my strategy or my business plan to come up with solutions to please, you know, individuals or groups of people that isn't necessarily serving me, the business or the long-term plan. And I think that's been a big challenge for me because I'm always wanting to please people. I always want my members to be happy. I always want to provide the most amount of value, but it can, yeah, it can definitely be to the detriment of your happiness, your mental health, and also kind of the clarity that you have in your business. So I think with something like that, being really clear on what I want to do for the business and for our members and of course ultimately for myself and my family being clear on that has then allowed me to say okay I've heard you I've listened this is how I can this is how I can improve things or actually you know this is how things are and and actually implementing boundaries that I'm I've never been very good Mm. at implementing whether it's with clients friends myself and my work so again it's a learning process isn't it it's a journey that I'm always you know on and learning uh on as well and I don't think that learning ever ever ends to be honest Michaela no I think it's a lifelong process isn't it just yeah keep keep coming back to it keep uh keep drifting away from what we believe in and I guess it sounds like you've been having kind of that awareness that when you are people pleasing it dilutes your voice it dilutes your vision Mm. it dilutes what you believe in and kind of coming back to that again as your your the the pin on the the compass if you may actually that's not the direction I wanted to go in so what if you people please I often say that if you people please others you end up not pleasing yourself Yes. And that is, you know, a, a calibration that we want to kind of get clear of balancing our needs with other people's needs um assertively rather than aggressively or passively so it sounds like it's been a long long journey for you to learn these things and embracing imperfection and and a lot of people would think that perfectionism is not an imperfection it's a strength but it's not it's like you're saying in your business in your work and in your family life in your health your perfectionism has had unintended consequences and costs to you that you actually haven't been able to go as as far as you wanted or as quickly as you wanted or actually as smartly or strategically as you wanted and I I keep getting reminded um, or reminding myself of a quote that my one of my first business coaches Wendy Kendall taught me which is if you want to go fast go alone if you want to go far go with others I love that quote yeah yeah it's a great one isn't it and it really fits for found and flourish because and also fits for your own kind of idea of aligning yourself with a good team that can help take the pressure off you, that you can delegate for your own sanity, not just because, you know, your diary is too busy to, to do it all, but also because some tasks will actually be better done by someone else because they're not, you know, being over pedantic about the details. They can Absolutely. keep an eye on the bigger picture for you. So it sounds like the realizations you've had there from your business coach it's almost like what we know from the personality research that the same quality or trait in us, in our personality, can be a double-edged sword. So the same thing, your connection, your ability to be em- empathetic and in tune with other people, mm. is the same thing that when you get overstretched, when it gets overextended, turns into people-pleasing. And this is almost like too much of a good thing. And this happens yeah. for all of us. So having that self-awareness is really helpful, isn't, isn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. So without diving deeper into sort of a more personal therapy for you, 
I'm wondering if you're kind of thinking about bringing it back to sort of the post purpose and play and I think it's been really clear what your purpose is and how passionate you are about doing that and you've given some examples of how you pause as well coming you know coming down to the seaside going to the beach finding times where you put your phone away fully so you can be present without the distractions bidding for your attention but is there anything else you wanted to mention about playfulness fun creativity you know joy things that aren't to do with achieving things it's funny when you say that that last bit things that aren't to do with achieving things I feel like for me it, it's whether it's achieving oh it's interesting you say that actually because I hadn't thought of it I one example I was going to give you and I was I've got a few was um I've just got into pottery and oh and I'm wondering now whether it was the process itself or the finished article so that's an interesting way that you put that question but I found it so therapeutic. It was like a form of mindfulness. And I was, I was creating this pot, this boob pot, a bit cheeky, but this boob pot. <laughs> and it was so much fun to do. And I wasn't thinking about anything else, but the, the strokes within the, the pot, how I was shaping it on the outside, the pinches I was doing with my thumbs around the top. And obviously like the detail of the breasts itself. Um, but it was just such a really lovely process that I was going through of like creating and making something and then looking at what I had made at the end and just going, I did that with my hands. And for me, that was a sense of achievement. So I don't know if that's cheating because I felt like I was achieving something then. But I think just that process of mindfulness and enjoyment and creativity was just incredible I was, I was saying to my sister because I went around her house and she had loads of clay and I just started you know making something and at the end I said to her I've not had that much fun in a long time and um she was so sweet she just sent over a whole kind of package of clay and I literally arrived at my house this morning and I cannot wait to get stuck in so I think I think being creative is so important and um allowing yourself that moment of I don't even know if it's innocence, but just kind of being playful. Yeah, play, playing around yeah. and not having any expectations of what the end result may be. So I think that's that's definitely something that I'm going to do more of and I'm really excited of doing. The other thing is I've I've enjoyed more now than ever playing with my son. And I think it helps that I'm mindfully playing with him and I'm being intentional with the um, attention that I give him. So, you know, without work at the back of my mind, I can take him to the park, I can run around, we can go and look for the gruffalo in the trees, um, mm. we can pick flowers on the floor and smell them and, and we can both just be really mindful in that moment. And for me, that's, that's a lot of fun. And yeah, just being with nature, as I said before, uh, swimming in the sea, just doing things that might be a bit scary or, you know, that push you beyond your comfort zone, that you kind of come away feeling that amazing. Again, I'm going to say sense of achievement, but just jumping mm. in the sea is like, yeah, it, it's it's enough to put you off swimming for life. But when you come out, you just have this, you feel so revitalized and refreshed and that's fun. It's, it, yeah, it's, there's all sorts of things to be honest, but yeah, they'd probably, probably be my top three. 
And there's so many different sources into that fun and playfulness. And I guess some of them are more slower and more content. Some of them are more wild and adventurous. So obviously there are many different ways to play and have fun. But it's it's an interesting one that I hope that the listeners would also be kind of curious rather than furious with themselves. And it's not all or nothing. Of course, we are allowed to have a sense of achievement from something we've played with. But what you're describing there is the process of losing yourself in that moment. Definitely. Like forgot about the time I've got about my to-do list I just like oh I love the feeling of this clay under my hands and then like giggling when it's turning into a boob shape or, <laughs> you know, just that, that's the sense of like actually just having fun with this and you know the psychology behind that is to actually you find yourself in a flow state mm. and what we know about creativity and motivation and productivity is that when we're in a flow state when we're literally just losing ourselves in the moment in the flow we're more productive as well it's so a funny true. thing that when we have fun with things, hmm. we're actually doing better as well. So it's okay for those two to be linked. But if we never have any fun, you know, the classic Jack Nicholson thing of all work and no play makes Jack and dull boy, right? Like we're standing there with <laughs> the axe murderer scene there. It's not really oh what we gosh, want, yeah. <laughs> So that's been really, really interesting to hear the process of play there. And I guess pottery is a good example of also for someone with perfectionistic traits to allow imperfections that you know, literally you know resisting the urge to just go squish it all when it's not turning into what you want it to be and if that is what you do then actually you can return again and again and again the clay is there for you to mold and reshape and it's you know each each pottery experience will be different like even if you intended to make 20 boot pots they will all look different right so yes <laughs> i love that and that kind of there's so many creative things that we can do i'm, I'm training to do um to facilitate mindful origami classes and oh, things wow. like that to bring that into my retreats and it's that's so, so much fun cool. that's really cool i used to uh, live in tokyo when i was a kid so that was something that we did a lot when i was uh, yeah, a young child that is really cool I love that. Amazing. I, I didn't know that about you. I, yeah. I have a sort of an interest in Japan, so I'll, I'll catch oh, up with nice. you about that later yeah, on. Yeah, we should. I tried to sort of find ways where we can be in the moment and engage our attention with something. And for a lot of perfectionists, it's a lot easier to get into mindfulness by doing things than by coming into stillness and just sitting Definitely. and meditating to a track. Because it's like, it doesn't agree with the busy mind very well. So that can maybe not the best way in. So... I'm doing a lot of things like watercolors where we can allow, you know, watercolor by definition is imperfect because every single time you do it, you can't control the water, you can't control the yes. paint. So it becomes imperfect on purpose. So it's been really interesting to kind of just brainstorm some ideas with you and hear what you're doing and know that the journey isn't over for you. This is a constant calibration and catching yourself when you're going into being in on on mode constant on mode or overworking mm. and then steering back to what matters and it sounds like your son is a big anchor in that and thinking that he really matters to me and that's where I keep steering back to being yeah. present having more self-love and self-care so it's been really powerful to talk to you Lauren so, oh, so honest so it's really been so nice the time thank you Michaela it's been so lovely yeah to share parts of my story that I haven't shared before so thank you for listening and as a final takeaway for the listeners what would be you know, one pressure you want to take off them or one permission you want to give them, what would that be? Yeah, I think just knowing that life isn't perfect, no one is perfect and no result will ever be perfect. And I've lost count of how many times I've put off doing things, launching things, writing things, saying things for fear of it not being perfect and that is just such a shame because everyone's got a story to share everyone's got an amazing idea in them and the amount of people who I believe put those things off for fear of it not being perfect so I guess the permission I'd love to give everyone is just 
be okay with failure, give things a go and and accept that it's not going to be perfect and there's beauty in imperfection. Thank you. That's really powerful. Thank you so much for sharing all of this. And for for people who are not familiar with your work yet, obviously we mentioned Found and Flourish, which we'll put in the in the show notes. But what's the best way to find you otherwise? Yes, you can find me on socials at Lara underscore Sheldrake. Um, you can find my personal website, larasheldrake.com. And yeah, come check me out. Come say hi, send me a DM. I'd yeah love to hear what you thought of this episode. Fantastic. And we would always love people to share this as well, because I imagine there will be a few nods, uh, kind of people nodding to themselves like, that's me. I've <laughs> stopped myself launching that online course for fear of failure. Or I've stopped myself going into business with, for myself because I think I won't be good enough. Or that's me. I'm overworking. I'm sitting up every hour of, of the weekend and I'm missing out fun with, with the family. Or as people who are not quite there yet with that awareness and they just might think, no, no, but I just need to do this. I just need to get this done first and then I'll have a break. So whatever mm. shows up for people, you know, drop me or Laura a message. I'm sure you would try to help you forwards of letting go of some of that pressure to be perfect because it is getting in the way of you um, achieving your business goals. So thank you so much for coming on, on to thank the podcast. Thank you, Michaela. I loved oh, having you. I've loved being here. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Pause Purpose Play podcast. And this was really, really good for me. I had lots of realizations as I was listening to Lara speak of things that has happened in my own career, things that I've done to get in my own way, self-sabotaging or holding myself back with imposter syndrome stuff or questioning or worrying about getting criticism from people in my in my industry actually you could be surprised of how critical psychologists can be of each other's work so actually even being here doing this podcast talking to you guys is something that is taking me out of my comfort zone so I learned a lot from Lara's very honest and vulnerable journey that she shared with us today and if you are interested in her in her program of the membership of Found and Flourish you can have a look at that I'll put that in the show notes If you found that a lot of what she was talking about resonated with you, how that inner critical voice gets in the way, hooks you away from the kind of life that you want to live, come along to my Pause Purpose Play group on Facebook because we talk about these things quite a lot of how we can embrace imperfections, how we can be more gentle with ourselves, develop more kindness and compassion. So come along to Pause Purpose Play on Facebook and join us. And until I speak to you next time, please do take care of yourself. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode. I know it's not easy when you feel busy and overwhelmed to find time for another thing to do. If this is you, if you feel overwhelmed or that you are close to your breaking point, then I've got a downloadable checklist for you that's going to help. This checklist is called Calm the Overwhelm. The first section has signs and symptoms of you being overwhelmed mentally or physically showing you that you might be close to breaking point or burning out. The second part is actionable, easy things you can do to try to slow down and give yourself a break. And the third part is a checklist of all the things that might show up when you're asking yourself to take a break. Perhaps your inner critical voice will have an opinion about why you're not allowed to give yourself the permission to pause. To download this free resource, go to www.thethomasconnection.co.uk forward slash calm. So that's thethomasconnection.co.uk forward slash 
www.thepodcastmaker.com. This episode of the Pause Purpose Play podcast was presented by me, Michaela Thomas. You can find me on thethomasconnection.co.uk. And because great work rests on having a great team, this episode was kindly edited by Emily Crosby Media.